0: Leganish kakuramach erda legally fond na gawana. August na keshta le ah.
1: Beep! Geeeeve August Falsche legally fond le Alessander gawan August on fierce.
2: We hope you're having a lovely shock to the and trying to use Kupla here and there. Folcha quig legally fond in this episode. Last year, the Leaving Certificate examinations couldn't happen in the normal way they do every June, so the government opted instead for a system of calculated grades. Not everyone was happy with this system. Teachers had to estimate grades for their students, and once those grades went through the system, some of them were downgraded quite significantly. One such student was so disappointed with how much his grades went down that he decided to sue the Minister for Education. How many points did this student go down by? Did he win his case? Or will he have to sit the leaving again this year? You'll find out in this episode of Legally Fond. Welcome to Season 3 of Legally Fond, in association with LawSchool.ie. LawSchool.ie is Ireland's leading provider of tuition for the FE1 or King's Inn's entrance exams. Each course is delivered live online, with a specific exam focus, and supported by the latest manuals. Shorter pre-recorded workshops are also available, courses commence in June and November, and you can register anytime at LawSchool.ie. For the duration of this season, we're giving away a free subject course worth €355, which can be used for any FE1 or King's Inn's prep course subject with LawSchool.ie. For your chance to win that, head to our Instagram. It's legally underscore Oh, and by the way, we've been giving away a criminal law textbook with thanks to Clarice Press on our Instagram all the past week. Are you the lucky winner? Keep listening, and you'll find out within the next 10 minutes. The facts of this case
1: start out with a man in uh, just outside of Wuhan eating um, either a bat or a pangolin um, in some sort of wet market. And then I think it's about uh, nine or ten months later, we have the leaving certificate, which obviously normally goes ahead in person. Any of our Irish listeners will have some sort of PTSD from that glorious month of June in our lives. The Minister for Education had to come up with a different way of calculating grades which will be explained by Gavin in a second. But Freddie Sherry from Belvedere College SJ took the Department of Education to the High Court to challenge his Leading Certificate results. So he did, obviously, the standard English-Irish maths and then other subjects like Latin, which aren't quite as popular. His estimated grades that he got from his teachers, uh, which were pretty good, I think, by anybody's standards, got downgraded to also good grades by anybody's standards. For the purposes of the CAO application And he was very unhappy So he decided to solicit his letter Into the Department of Education And uh, let's go to court Well we
2: all know If you've got a problem in Ireland The first person you go to is Joe Duffy If Joe can't solve it You get yourself a lawyer Now what the state actually did Was said that you couldn't appeal Individual grades You couldn't go to court As an individual student And say I'm not happy With my estimated grades I'm going to appeal them What Freddie had to do Was go to court and say I think the entire system of calculated grades was unlawful because it was arbitrary and irrational and unfair. And the way that they changed how they were going to calculate the grades, they announced to us that they were going to use the school data, they were going to look back at how people had fared in Belvedere in the past and then apply that to the grades and they would either drag the grades up or down based on the data. Well, they said they were going to do that and then they changed their mind in early September and that breached... Uh, an expectation, a legitimate expectation I had. So this is how the system worked, roughly. They took all the students' junior cert results, they ranked them on the basis of those within their class, then they had two data sets. They had school historical data, which is, as I mentioned, data from the past three years of the leaving cert results in that particular school, and then they had national historic data. National historical data, on the other hand, was subject-by-subject data, which showed what proportion of students got each grade in each subject over the past couple of years. And then they would use what was known as a mapping tool to apply that to everyone's scores to maintain the same national results in each subject roughly speaking, as the past couple of years. And the aim of this was to avoid grade inflation, or the grades jumping up way ahead of what they were in past years. If 10% of people got uh, H1 in such a subject last year, roughly the same percentage would come out this year. Now, what happened on the 1st of September is, Norma Foley, the Minister for Education, came out and publicly announced that the school historical data would be removed. They would also be getting rid of this mapping tool. So this changed the system. How did it come about, Pierce? Why did the government change how it was going to do these calculated grades so last minute?
0: Well, I suppose it's it's important to contextualise this within what was happening in the UK at the time as well. Uh, They used a similar model in the United Kingdom uh, regarding school historical data. It is important to stress that while Norma Foley initially had concerns about this model anyway from a statistical and policy point of view, even before the controversy in the UK emerged she was looking at changing it but essentially when she was in the process of, of checking this out to see if that would be the right path to take uh, controversy did emerge in the UK that there were allegations of school profiling or, or what is known as the postcode lottery where certain schools in certain area uh, areas because of perceptions or because of again historical data that they would have performed well were going to be advantaged by this system and consequently those in less um, well performing schools in, in in poorer uh, socioeconomic circumstances would suffer as a result. So this was part of the impetus that that saw the Department of Education uh, flip-flop or change its policy in this regard.
2: So essentially, the fear was that if you'd gone to a good school or a school that had performed well in the past couple of years, that you would be at an unfair advantage. And if you are, let's say, a very good student in a poorly performing school you would be at an unfair disadvantage because you might be have your results dragged down because people in previous years had performed poorly in the Leaving Cert. What did you guys think at the time about this? Because, you know, some might say that it was an imperfect set of circumstances. They couldn't run the Leaving Cert. They had to bring in these calculated grades. And some people on one side are going to say only the student themselves ultimately can determine what they get. But other people would say they didn't have much data to go on they didn't have all they had with their were these predicted grades and they knew that the teachers themselves were going to predict the best possible grades for their students so that they needed something to to so that they could benchmark schools against each other based on their past performance what what do you guys think
1: well it's hard like as i said you didn't they didn't have much data you know mocks aren't really like they're not like their mocks for a reason like most people i know went up drastically from their mocks they were damned with the did and damned if they didn't, regardless of what they chose. Mm. I kind of think, I hate to say this on a podcast, that they probably made the right decision. Like, ultimately, like, the beauty of the Leaving Cert, I guess, if you're going to argue for it, is that it's always completely blind. Like, it's just, you're a number on a page and you just do your best for the exam. But as soon as that's removed, I guess, and, you know, when you start having to kind of bring in statistics, which none of us know anything about. It just becomes a lot more difficult.
0: The Leaving Cert itself is an imperfect system, but it is the best that we can do. It is as meritocratic as you, as you can have it now. Of course, um, certain schools are always going to perform better in the structure of the education system we have here. And as a result, certain schools, um, other schools are not going to perform as as well. Um, the But I, I would agree with Alex that I think um, generally, th- I mean, look... The, the fact that they anticipated that there would be great inflation um, and they took f- in, into account um, factors that would try to mitigate that and on a whole, and this is important as well to stress that you can't look at this from an individualistic point of view or even just from one school's point of view, but you have to take the the general Leaving Cert population, those who sat on a whole, um, the system was fair. And I think people performed marginally better than they might have had under the normal course of a Leaving Cert sitting.
2: Well, in fact, if they had applied this mapping tool, like taking these the national grade distribution and then applying it on a subject-by-subject subject basis, 58% of grades at higher level would have to have been downgraded. So that was the extent of how much the grades had gone up. The uh, estimations that the teachers were giving were significantly better mm-hmm. than how people had actually done. Well the ju- like, years.
1: the judgment even said that. that well I guess maybe by a few exceptions, like a teacher will probably like that you've known for years is going to give you a better grade than, than you think. It would reflect surely reflects better than them if they estimate like, oh yeah, I was gonna get all H1s like no no question. Like that's
2: I, I mean, how would a teacher fail the student a teacher with any heart fail one of their students in an estimated grade, they're always going to hope for the best possible circumstance. And yeah, they want the brownie points themselves. It reflects terribly on them
0: if all their students are doing terrible. The collective estimate um, point-wise uh, from his teachers was 542 points and he ended up getting 487 under the system, which is a drop. It's a downgrading of 55 points, but it isn't a, a huge drop. Now, of course, that can make all the difference in the CAO system. The important point to stress here is that had they actually taken into account the school's historical data and compared this with the estimate of the teachers in the subjects that um, the claimant was taking, the number of H1s and H2s from Belvedere had been massively, significantly overestimated and inflated, according to the judge in this case. So it wouldn't have helped him. This is the thing as well, that even had uh, had the claimant shown in this situation that he had been um, subjected to unfairness as a result of this scheme or this policy, or indeed the entirety of the school, uh, Belvedere in this case, had been subjected to unfairness, if on the whole the state could say, well, it was in the interest of the, the general leaving Sir Class or the, the public at large, then the policy would stand to reason. Um, and of course, this is the thing, you can't just look at it from this narrow perspective. But I also think it's it's bizarrely reflective of, and uh, people have made this point before, uh, the unique Irish obsession with the institution that is the Leaving Cert. Yes, it's an important set of exams, and yes, it determines elements of your future and what college you go to or what course you do. For what is already a very pressurised scenario, the amount of coverage that these sort of things get on our airways, on, on, on media, building up to the leaving cert, the post-exam analysis. I mean, you're driving home, your, your parents have collected you after English paper one and they're analysing it on news talk as you're going back. You know, it, it, it's crazy that, that, that the entire country seems to have such a vested interest in how a bunch of seventeen-year-olds like, do, when they're stress. For yeah, me it's. I'd say. it's, it's what... I think it's in the Irish psyche because all our parents had to do
2: the Leaving Cert. They probably remember what points they got. They remember the stress, the subjects. Listen, let's get back to the judgment for a second. So, the first thing that the Minister for Education of the government argued was that this was a matter of policy. Ultimately, the government decides its education policy, and this is not something that the courts can decide because it's it's not a legal question. Really, the government is deciding how we run the country and as long as it doesn't break any laws or breach the constitution that's all grand and the the judge sided with the government he stressed the importance of you know democratic accountability and he said that the government had a job to do here in these uncertain circumstances of balancing on the one hand a system being statistically acceptable and statistically accurate and on the other hand, balancing the public ace- acceptance of the system, which the judge said was really, really important. And I guess that goes back to what you said there, Pierce, that it's not just about if the system is being run accurately. There has to be this level of faith and trust in the Leaving Cert system. I guess that it's treating students fairly. So the Minister for Education, on the one hand, yeah, had to make sure that the the numbers added up, but also had to take into account the legitimate concerns about some people in certain schools being adversely affected by the system. What do you think of this balancing act? guess that's a politician's job, isn't it? Balancing conflicting considerations.
0: Absolutely. And um, look, there's an element of discretion here and and that this is what the court found as well, that the decision and the revisions of of various decisions and the, the changes in policy was a legitimate exercise of executive power under Article 42 of the Constitution. This is an area over which we trust the government to have competence. We trust them as much as perhaps, you know, there may be, uh, uh, you know, stories to to refute the competency or, or ability of our politicians or, or our civil servants. Generally, there is a trust in the system that it will ultimately make, on the face of the facts available, the best possible decision. This is not something that the court has competence or jurisdiction or presumably desire to review because this is how a democratic state functions. As
1: bad as, you know, a job the minister did Whatever you want to argue, like I don't know, the courts would probably be worse in in their own view. You know, it's the the whole institutional competence thing of well, like what does a judge know about education? I know it did the leaving cert, probably, but like
2: But the student Freddie Sherry wasn't finished just there. He had another argument which was maybe more convincing to make against the state. And we'll tell you about that next. We've had a fantastic reaction on our Instagram account to our book giveaways. We're teaming up with Claris Press, one of Ireland's leading legal textbook publishers. And over the past seven days, we've been raffling off a criminal law textbook. Are you the winner, though? Well done to Kean Cotter. You've got yourself that criminal law textbook. We're going to be giving away another textbook on our Instagram over the next week. Keep your eyes peeled. Legally underscore fond. The other thing that Freddie Sherry, this student, came into court was to say was that it's a breach of my legitimate expectation. And this is... This is this legal concept, it's not he's not just saying it colloquially, there is a legal concept of legitimate expectation and he was saying, the Minister for Education came out and made a statement saying that there would be a system of calculated grades which would encompass school historical data, which would look back at the results in my school and uh, take them into account when coming to my calculated grades. So the state made that public announcement, they made it to us, a group of Leaving Cert students and now it's unfair or unjust because we have relied on that announcement to resile from that to change their mind essentially and bring along a new policy what do you think about that Argument: How unfair is it for the government in these trying circumstances where they're trying out a brand new system to have the
0: ability to change their mind? I, I mean, look, the concept of legitimate expectation suggests a reliance on it and that the altering of the policy would have been to the detriment of the students. And um, at that stage, I mean, if it is a case of predicted grades, I mean, there's very little scope um, within the power of the student to change what the outcome is going to be. Um, it would be different now if, if teachers were saying, well, we, we believed we were going to operate under a certain system in terms of calculating these estimated grades, and it subsequently changed, and as a result, our predictions have fundamentally changed. But um, it, it's, it's really out of the student's hand, uh, hands at, at that stage.
2: Alex, without getting too technical, you might tell us, what is the test that the courts use for legitimate expectation?
1: Okay, so in Glencar Explorations' uh, PLC versus Mayo County Council, um, Mr. Justice Fenley uh, came up with a test that anybody who's in administrative law will have heard of. But basically, this kind of governs government promises. So if the government say, okay, we're going to do something, and if they don't do it, you have to go to court and prove that, that they made a statement or adopted a position amounting to a promise or representation. It doesn't have to be expressed. It can be implied. But they do have to make a promise to potentially just you or an identifiable group of people. And then the last bit which is the hardest bit to prove is that if they didn't do it, so you can't just pick a manifesto line. It would be unjust not to do it. Now there's a few qualifications that have come in over the years. Generally the smaller the group the better. So if it's a group of five to ten people or you know an estate or they're going to fix something. Um, or you know, in cases it's been about uh, care home residents and saying, okay, we're going to either provide accommodation for you or we're not going to move you. You know, these are very small groups of people. Promises are very easily to identify or very easily identifiable. But when you have sixty five thousand leaving school students, it's a lot harder to say that you know you had this legitimate expectation, um, and especially that it would be unjust to come back from it.
0: But it's interesting that you you, you note the uh, number of students who um, sat the Leaving Cert there. This case is of immense significance because currently um, sitting, waiting to go to court are 60 other challenges to the predicted grade system. And so this case will operate as a lead. And part of the reason as well, they went went on
1: why this was even went to court or couldn't really be reviewed by the courts was this isn't compulsory. You didn't have to do the Leaving Cert last year. You know, and they did give you the option to reset the exam if you didn't like a particular grade. You know, as much as, you know, it is completely different. You'd have to wait another year to go to college. You know, you can make all sorts of arguments for how annoying it would be. You don't have to do it. It's not part of the law. Like, you know, we didn't have to sign up to the CEO this year. Thank God. But anyway.
2: mm-hmm. uh, And he did argue that because you could reset some of the subjects in November. He said he was foregoing studying for the the the, the resits in November, and that was the kind of sacrifice he was ma- making. That was the detriment he was facing as a result of going with the, the calculated grades. Ultimately, the school itself wasn't adversely affected. There wasn't the evidence that the entire system was so unfair or so irrational or arbitrary that it would make it unlawful for every student in the country. Never heard of such a sympathetic
1: plaintiff as uh, Belvedere College, SJ. Hey,
2: 55 points, 55 points down. And also the judge said that if you did have, and this goes back to what we said earlier, if you did have the school historical data, you would be incorporating inequality into the system. And, you know, maybe interestingly counterfactually if they had put in the school historical data there would there would also be challenges of people coming from schools that historically performed worse in the leaving cert in the past I don't and, know I feel uh, like
1: uh, Belvedere College SJ might be a bit more litigious than um,
2: they They might have a few more fathers who are who just so happen to <laughs> fathers and mothers uh, fathers and mothers who just so happen to know their way around the four courts, But yeah, he said it would be incorporating an inequality into the standardisation model and that would go against the state's aims, basic aims for education. Again, in terms of public interest, he said, the government has this leeway to decide how to work the standardisation model uh, in whatever way they think is in the public interest. That's it for this episode of Legally Fond. If you enjoyed the episode, please, please... Leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts. We we love getting your feedback. It massages our little egos and gives us a reason to come back into studio and make more and more episodes. Talk to you soon.